Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook or hypercleanstore.com. Well, took a week off. Enjoyed Memorial Day. I hope you all did as well. We're back in a saddle here. Going to have some fun conversations. Big news breaking here in the car world for those of you van nerds out there. The VW Microbus is coming back. It's already back in Europe, but it's going to be back in the U.S. in 2024. All electric version. I looked at some some renderings for the U.S. market, some pictures for the U.S. market. It's going to be bigger than the European model, obviously. I think it's going to be three rows. I think it's pretty cool they're bringing it back. So we got to see how this shakes out. Thought I'd bring it up. I think it just broke today or yesterday that they're actually going to bring it in. And look, I keep telling you guys, vans just keep trucking along. It's unbelievable to me. But I thought that I'd bring that up here at the beginning of the episode. Last week, I shared in HyperClean Specialist Group, we had a P- Porsche GT3 RS 2019 race car in the shop. That was an interesting project because the customer didn't actually take care of the car very well. And what I mean by that is the doors didn't have PPF. We were adding PPF after the fact. I think it already had 20,000 you know, race miles on it. So car was pretty beat up. So we had to break some news to him about some things on the door that weren't going to be able to be fixed. It was going to be a repaint issue. We replaced both rear fenders. We made custom pieces for, uh, you know, the rock shields for, for the back wheels. And honestly, we removed a lot of PPF and replaced it. Now, if you remember, go back a couple conversations ago, Marty and I had about this idea that PPF, you know, we got to ceramic coat it before we PPF the car. It's going to make it so much easier. We removed that PPF tough track miles for four years on that PPF. PPF came off like a dream. I keep saying this to people. Modern PPF is not that hard to remove if it's removed in its right amount of time. Four years of tracking, and this PPF came off like a dream. For those of you that have seen the post in the specialist group, we had to remove the decals. We had to replace the decals, which makes me sick to my stomach. I can't believe Somebody on a, such a great car wants to put Porsche GT3 RS stickers basically on the doors, but you know, to each their own. And the funniest part about those stickers is we got them from Porsche North America and they were not properly cut. And so we had to show it to the client and he's like, well, what can you do? I said, well, you can call Porsche North America and get a new set, but I bet they're going to look the same. So we lined it up the best we could. We kind of fabricated the way we wanted it to look, cut out some pieces and made it look as good as we could. But, you know, 400 plus thousand dollar race car with stickers on the side to say Porsche GT3 RS uh, seems really stupid to me. But like I said, to each their own. I want to talk a little bit about buying cars today. There's a common question that I get asked is, is this car worth it? Right. Is this car worth it? Well, it's kind of a hard question to answer because you have to be so honest with somebody to get the right answer, to move the conversation along that oftentimes it comes across really poorly, but there's nothing you can do. How rich are you? Right? We just picked up a Lucid Air Touring for one of my customers who probably forgot that he ordered it. 
We took it to his house. It's been sitting in the same spot all week. I just checked on it this morning. I think he paid $185,000 for the car. It's not even a thought to him. So he's never going to ask the question, is it worth it? Right? It seems like such a weird question that people ask, and we all understand why they ask it, right? We understand that they're trying to figure out, should I buy this car? But I've learned over the last 10 years of dealing with car purchases and sales and different things like that, that if it's worth it, it's kind of a BS question that doesn't get you any results. So if you got, if you guys are talking to clients or you're thinking about buying a car, it's not about whether it's worth it. It's about, is this even a financial decision for me? When we went to the car dealership to buy a new family car, I remember looking at my wife and go, buy what you want. Why? We were at a dealership where the price range is fifty to $100,000. And to be honest with you, it's not much of a decision for us, right? It's not that big of a deal. There's times in my life it's been a huge deal where $20,000 cars seemed like a lot of money to me. But I wasn't there thinking to myself, is this car worth it? It's like, no, pick the car you want so I don't hear you complaining to me that you don't like your car. If you pick the car, you'll love it. It doesn't matter what I like. It's your car. You're going to be driving it the most. And so she did. There was never a question of, is this car worth it? It was, does this car fit with my financial situation? And, and can we buy a car that she likes? Now, it's a much different conversation than building a collection or buying a third car that you're really trying to buy at the right price and maybe make money on long-term, that's a whole different avenue of conversation. And I say this to people all the time, this idea that your brother or your, 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 your husband or your wife or whoever's trying to convince you that they always get a deal on cars, if you don't treat it like a business, you're not getting a deal. And there sort of becomes this problem that therefore people make a lot of bad decisions on cars because they don't understand what's in their price range and they're, and they're convinced they're going to get a deal, which they don't because they don't know how to operate in the business. And then the next part is they end up buying a car that they really don't love that much. And so I'm going to say this for, I don't know, the millionth time on here. If you buy a car that you like, that's in your range of what you can afford and you really know you like the car, there's no reason to question of, is it worth it? Keep the car, drive it, enjoy it. And then if you don't like it, after two, three, four years, sell it. It really is that simple. But this idea I get all the time about expensive cars, Porsches, BMWs, you know, name the car. Okay. Oh, is that worth the money? Hey, buddy, I don't know if it, it's worth the money till you tell me how much money you have. Because I have billionaires that we do business with that don't give it a second thought. I've had somebody tell me they were literally driving by a Ferrari dealership, pulled in because they had a bad meeting and bought a car. He never thought about it again. So is it worth it? Was that Ferrari worth it? I don't know. But I can tell you he doesn't care. So he's not asking that question. So he enjoyed the car. He still has the car. He drives it every now and then. But the most important part is, what is your amount of money you can afford to buy a car with that you feel comfortable? For some people getting their start, man, 25000 is a lot of money.
For other people, a 500, an 800, a $30 million car is not a decision. And let me bring you in on some collection things that happen. I'll give people a written report. Here's what this car should cost. That car will be $2 million over that. They'll still buy it. I'll be like, hey, why'd you buy it at $2 million over? Because I wanted it. it. Wasn't a decision for him. So a lot of times in the car world, we ask the wrong questions. There are certain times in my business that I have to be cognizant of buying the vehicle at the proper price. We're putting a collection together. This guy wants to get his money out of it one day. That specific customer, we're way more concerned about price in the collection market. I have other collectors. They don't care what anything costs. I saw one of my collectors buy a Corvette resto mod split window for $300,000, have it blow up in his driveway. And he's like, yeah, just get rid of it. Now we had to go to the auction house and we had to do some work and we had to try to get money and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But he never thought about it again. It wasn't a decision for him. I wouldn't have purchased it. You're never going to catch me paying 300 grand for a Corvette. Not my money. Not my tax bracket. And so is a car worth it is something that seems like a good thing to say, but it doesn't get to the root issue of what's your financial status? How much money do you have? Do you really love the car? How much do you want to get the car? What's the going price for the car? Yeah, man, it may depreciate. It may depreciate a ton. This happened a lot in the S63 Benz world where you were paying $180,000, $190,000 for those cars, and in no time they were worth ninety grand. But there's some people that just want to own that S63 AMG Benz. That's just what they want to own. Think about the McLaren market. Same thing. There's guys that bought McLarens, you know, when things were normal, that they pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars for, and within a week it was worth a hundred grand. Wasn't a financial decision for them. They wanted to drive it. They wanted to enjoy it. They didn't care. They didn't care. They just lost two hundred grand. And so, when you start to peel away the car market and why people struggle in it. The first thing they don't get to is, what can I really afford that I'm comfortable with? And then the next thing is, do I like driving the vehicle I'm about to drive? Like I've said this before, my sister has always loved, with her family, owning a van. Always. She's had like 10 Honda Odysseys or something. She loves it. She enjoys it. So therefore, they don't make that many bad decisions with their van because that's what they love. That's what they want to drive. That's what they think makes their best result for their family. Now, I know it's not a Porsche GT3, but there's a basic example. You know, we have guys in the group that are Dodge people or Miata people or S2000 people. They're going to pay for those cars something I'm not going to pay for because those cars don't excite me. So I'm not going to stretch my buck or I'm not going to say, is the car worth it? I don't want to own the cars or I don't want to own that truck or I don't, whatever case may be. So we get into this weird spot where people think they're making an educated comment to, to someone like me and they go, oh, I'm looking at this car online. Is it worth it? Okay, man, here's the data. That car is worth $85,000. It's $115,000 bid right now. Oh, but I really want to own the car. Okay, man, do you have the money? Yeah, man, the money's not a worry. Then buy the car. Well, it's 30000 over. Well, that's the going price. You're asking me, is it worth it? It's not worth it to me, but you love the car. You want the car, and you're asking the wrong question. The question he sh- those people should ask is, I know this car is worth $85,000. 
Why is it being priced at $115,000? That's the real question. But no one ever asked that question. And so what happens is people end up spending too much on cars. You're seeing this in the Kia and the Hyundai, which we've shared here before, with the Palisade and the Telluride. You have people massively upside down in those vehicles. You want to know why? They heard that their buddy was buying one. He told them how great it was. So they went and bought it, and they never thought to themselves, yeah, Kias and, and Hyundais for $85,000 seems a bit strange. They never asked. They just did it. And now they're massively underwater, and you see all these articles coming out. Well, here's the thing. They went into the, the purchase in the wrong mindset. The mindset should be, do I like this car? Is $85,000 that big of a deal to me? If the answer is no, buy the car. Who cares what the brand is on there? You want the car. But what happens? They go and spend $85,000 on a car. They never ask themselves, do they love the car? Are they going to drive the car? Is 85 grand a big deal to me? They never ask the relevant questions. They just go, oh, my buddy says it's great. doesn't work that way. And so what happens is I get these calls all the time. I mean, all the time. I must get the most texts, the most calls about, hey, is this car worth it? And we got to go through the same rigmarole every time. How much money do you have? Do you make enough money? Is this a big deal to you? Bah, 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 bah. This is throughout the, the entire time I've dealt with cars. This is the number one question people ask, and it's always the wrong question to ask. And then I'll have people purchase the car and not get a pre-purchase inspection. And they'll be in a tough spot and they'll go, oh, I shouldn't have spent this money. It's like, dude, I told you, here's the pre-purchase inspection. Why didn't you schedule it? We could have scheduled it. We could, I don't know. They just bought it. And they started out the whole thing with this whole idea of like, I'm going to get a deal. I'm so smart in a car. And then they're 30000 over what they want to spend because they've never asked any relevant question. And again, if money's no object, who cares if you overspend on the car? which is what I found in my career. The guys that have money, they don't care that they overspend by, that's what you're seeing in the GT3 market with Porsche. You have all these guys that have a ton of money. They don't care that they're spending $50,000 over, 75,000, 100,000 over sticker. I wouldn't do it because I don't care that much about the GT3 or GT2 or, or any of those cars. I'd rather just buy a used one, enjoy it for a year and sell the thing. But I'm not a diehard Porsche guy. I like them. They're fun to drive. But here's the funny thing. I drove this race car around. Great car. But it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't get me to where I go, man, I got to find a way to spend 450000 on this car. Just, just doesn't do it for me. I love the brand. I, I love everything that the brand's about. Precision and great engineering and, you know, the body style. I love Porsches. I don't love them enough to pay a hundred over sticker, but let's say I had 50 million in the bank. What do I care about a hundred grand? And that's where so many guys online, especially people that comment on bids and do all this kind of stuff on auction sites. You can tell they've never talked to people that have the money to buy these cars. I told everybody that the old AMG Mercedes were going to go through the roof after we saw it at auction. Nobody believed it. No, I thought it was a silly $700,000 purchase. Because you're going to drive that car and you're going to be like, dude, this, this car, I don't really enjoy this. Most of the collectors I deal with wouldn't enjoy that car. But here's the deal. 
Now those cars are priced well above what they should be, in my opinion. But that doesn't change the fact that that's the price. And so if you want to get into that market, you're going to have to pay the price. And what people always underestimate is that there's a zillion people on planet Earth that don't care about $700,000. There's a lot of people that just don't care about spending that money. We've seen the market cool greatly in some spots. But again, rare European 80s, 90s, early 2000s cars are doing really well. That's why I'm sitting here in my shop right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to drive my BMW home from the shop, and I tell people this all the time. When I stop enjoying that car, that car is gone. And I know I'll make a little bit of money on it, but I bought the car at a good price, and I'm in the car business. And so, therefore, I have a completely different mindset than Joe Blow texted me saying, is this car worth it? It's kind of worth it to me. And so I paid what I paid. And if I break even or I make two grand or whatever, I'm fine with it. I'm enjoying the car. The number one thing is it was a car I wanted to own. So if you're out there looking for cars, the wrong mindset is, is this car worth it? The right questions are, what's my price range? And what's the best car that I would enjoy the most that I could get in this price range? And some of you are into brands. So it's going to be in a certain brand, a Dodge, a Mazda, a Benz, a BMW, whatever the case may be. That's just all up to you. And so I thought I'd share that a little bit because I think I get about 50 texts a week about that. That exact question, is this car worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Well, here's the research. How much money you got? You know, Lamborghini Urus, is it worth it? I don't know. How much money you got? Because I got customers that got them and they never even think about the purchase. It's not even a topic of conversation for five seconds. I have other people that if they stretch to buy it, yeah, it's probably not going to be worth it. They're not going to enjoy it as much. It's probably not for them. So I want to finish today's episode. I've had something happen. I've been noticing a lot more around family, friends, colleagues, Facebook posts, things like that. So I want to share a little bit about what I see going on and, and hopefully can help somebody out there who's listening to this. For like 200, 1,000, 2,000 years, we had the perfect terminology for someone who owned a business. And it was called business owner. Perfectly made all the sense in the world. I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, who knows? We started using the word entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur, dude. And this is what I have probably harped on the most of anybody that you listen to is that the internet is not real. And that you need to understand the games that are going on so you don't get caught up in them. So how do we have such a great term like business owner that makes so much sense for hundreds, if not thousands of years around the world to now having this fancy word entrepreneur? Well, it's interesting to me when you really start to dig into it, everybody that was pumping up that word from the beginning was always trying to sell you something. I'll show you how to be a real estate entrepreneur. I'll show you how to be an entrepreneur. I'll show you how to have 50 side hustles. I'll show 
You guys see it all the time. And so what made me think of this is I want all of you to think of a family member, a friend, a colleague, somebody you always see on Facebook that you know, Instagram that you know, who's got this entrepreneur thing as a cancer in their brain. Okay. And what do I mean by that? These people have bought into, oh man, I'm going to have, you know, 50 different gigs, man. I'm going to have all these revenue streams. I'm going to make all this money. You know, those people, you know, they're an auto detailer as their business. They sell life insurance. They do real estate. They build decks on the weekend. They make knickknacks that they sell in their local area. There's five businesses there. And none of them are super successful businesses. But they've bought into the cancer of entrepreneurship instead of just understanding business ownership. And unfortunately, I think we have to make a divide now because of the way entrepreneurship is talked about online. The Gary V's, the Grant Cardone's, the list goes on, the Bradley Leah's, all these people. Oh, man, you know, I'm going to show you how to be a real estate entrepreneur. And it's become a cancer to a lot of people. And I know many of you are thinking of someone right now, if not five someones, if not 10 someones, that fall into that. But there's a lot left out of this entrepreneur talk, which is why I hate the word. I know people who are friends of mine that are millionaires, 100 millionaires, and billionaires through my business or just through friendships. I've never heard one of those people ever call themselves an entrepreneur in over 10 years of going back and thinking about those relationships. Not one successful person that I've met that I've been able to see their success firsthand has ever used those words, used that word. So I got a buddy of mine, he owns 50 chiropractic offices across two states. And if you talk to this guy, and he's a friend of mine, this isn't a client, because I have. And you ask him what he does, he say, oh, man, I own this chiropractic business. Never, ever in a million years would he use the word entrepreneur. In my business, I have casino owners worth billions of dollars. Never in a million years have I heard them use the word entrepreneur. And why am I picking on this? I'm picking on this because it can set you back to buy into things you're seeing on the internet that are so ridiculous in the real world that if you don't put two and two together, you can lose two years, five years, 10 years of your life. I'm thinking of people right now that I've been watching since I got inside HyperClean that I've been watching them sit in the same spot for two and a half going on three years. Talented people. No focus on what matters because they got 50 hustles, man. I got all these revenue streams. None of them make any real money. I want, to th I want you to think about somebody that we all know. His name's Jeff Bezos. He founded Amazon. Super successful, I'd say. For 25, 20, 25, 30 years, he put his head down and he built Amazon. That's what he did. He built Amazon. He wasn't pressure washing houses on the weekend, building decks on the weekend, selling life insurance, being a life coach, doing this, doing that. He just put his head down and built Amazon. And I can point to 
every single successful person that I know personally and say, they all started out by building at least one thing that was successful. And then after it had success for an extended period of time, they may go invest into things, but they have to have some semblance of success to do that. Because here's the entrepreneur thing that everybody lies about. It takes money to make money. I couldn't have bought into HyperClean and become a part of HyperClean if I didn't have success at VR. I put my head down for 10 years at VR before I ever thought about doing anything like HyperClean. Now, I have other investments. I invest my money that I make from VR into real estate and other things, but I don't run those things. I have property managers, and I may spend a couple hours a month talking to them. But people that have been in business two, three years, and they're five different businesses. Oh, I have 10 LLCs. None of them making money. So imagine if you limited down the 50 hustles you have to just concentrate on auto detailing. I think it could be very successful. But the Internet's telling you, hey, be an entrepreneur. But nobody ever puts two and two together. These people are selling you courses. They're selling you books. They're selling you likes. They're selling you views. They're not selling you the real world. I've never called myself an entrepreneur, nor will I ever call myself that. I'm a business owner. And so I'm focused on the businesses that I own and am in charge of running. This idea that you're going to have five different hustles and you're going to make all this money, that shit never happens. Because here's what everybody wants to say. Well, I know this guy, he's 60 years old and he owns multiple businesses. I guarantee you it all started with having success in one. And then he invested that money that he made over 10, 20 years of running that business into other businesses. He wasn't running all five businesses the last 40 years. And that's the cancer of this entrepreneurship thing that's going online. It's causing guys to lose focus. Therefore, they never make any real money. Therefore, they're looking for jobs. Therefore, they're putting crazy things on the internet. Therefore, they're not acting professional because they got 50 things going on and none of them are doing well. None of them are making money. So let me show you a mathematical equation of how to get out of all this. There's not a single person listening to this that isn't capable of making take home $100,000 a year as an auto detailer. Everyone, everyone listening is capable of that. Making take home $100,000 a year. If you're focused on it. So let's say I accomplish that. For the next five years, I make $100,000 a year in my business and I make a purpose choice not passion, a purposeful choice to do what? Live on 50. I make 100 for the next five years each year, 500,000. I live on 50 because I have a purpose to doing it. At the end of that five years, you know what I have in my bank account? $250,000. Every one of you is capable of doing that. Now, you don't just have the 250 grand to sit on. Now you can start expanding your investments in a pragmatic way that makes you wealth. 
that makes you more successful. You can dump more money into your business. You can buy a piece of real estate to rent out. Because I know all these people tell you that real estate doesn't take any capital. Those people are lying to you. At some point, you need money. And so I want you to think about what I'm saying here. These people on the internet selling you entrepreneurship and you're using the word and you put the memes out and you know you put these little sayings on your Facebook page. Everyone knows you're not making money. Those of us that have made money. It's as easy to see as anything in the world. What you listen to, what you watch on social media, what you engage in from a content perspective is the most important thing in 2023 that can make a positive change or make things very negative for you. You go listen to detailing podcasts and you listen to people who don't know what they're talking about and you ingest that information, you're going to be hit with cancer from that information. It's just the way it goes. You can think I'm crazy, but think about your buddy, or maybe you're listening to this and you're one of these guys in this rut right now, listening to all this entrepreneur talk about multiple revenue streams and this, you don't have one making money. You're not making any real money from one. How are you going to manage five? The loss you take from not focusing on getting something off the ground and making real money at it is irreversible. Every single person can make $100,000 a year take home as an auto detailer. Every single one of you. Do you want to put the work in? That's a whole different conversation. But every single one of you can do it. No question. I know plenty of people that have done it. And if you live on less than that for five years, you keep your head down, you'll look up, have $100,000, $300,000 to your name world's yours. You're in the 1%. You're in the 1%, but you didn't buy into any of this bullshit entrepreneurship stuff. You just bought into being a good, solid business owner that operates their business, that grows their business to then five, 10 years down the road, after making all this money in your business, you can make any decision you want to make. Jeff Bezos had to keep his head down for 25 years to vote Amazon. And I see guys that don't think they should have to work hard in a business for two years. They got a second hustle, a third hustle, a fourth hustle, a 10th hustle. Every successful business person starts from having one successful business. And that's where everything grows from, not from five different revenue streams the day you start business. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful of what podcast you allow into your head. I'm telling you, I've said this for two and a half years and some have really listened and I've watched certain guys not. Every, every single one of you should be running away from entrepreneurship and running towards being a good, solid business owner because there isn't a person that I know in my life, a 50-year-old with money, a 45-year-old with money, a 60, a 70-year-old with money that ever uses the word entrepreneurship. Never. It's never happened to me. And I find that pretty damn funny. So I hope you guys got a little bit out of this episode today. I look forward to talking to you next week.